This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Got some news on the intersection of labor and sports here. That uh, Sam Knight, you flagged this as we were uh, walking into the studio. Looks like NBA G League players have formed a union. So uh, good for them. Still skeptical whether or not there's going to be an NBA season. It looks like there sure as hell is going to be a season unless uh, there's some sort of outbreak on a team. But um, whether there's a season or not, we know that G League players have it pretty rough. We interviewed uh, sports writer Dakota Schmidt about this stuff on our uh, Patreon channel. I think uh, earlier this year, at the end of last year, uh, in which he was talking about the need for uh, G League players to unionize, going through uh, their uh, tough work environment and sort of the murmurs that this was happening. Uh, And now it looks like it's happened. And not only has it happened, according to an NBA reporter, Shams Charania, that the, uh, the players voted to certify the union or voted in favor of the union by 80%. Dang. So 80% of the players have signed uh, union cards, authorization cards. And so obviously if the league wanted to, it could recognize the union voluntarily. But of course, because we have backwards ass labor law, management can uh, demand an election, which they will obviously lose. But they might want to try to bust the union either way. Either way, 80%. That is a, uh, that just warms my heart. Yeah, same, same. And uh, now it's, uh, as you said, your move, NBA. Uh, we'll see if they try to disband the G League now in response. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is pretty Hopefully. much the only thing they can do, right? Is uh, it, it, they can't fire the players, but. Under the uh, uh, under the Supreme Court under Supreme Court precedent, they can shut down the whole fucking league. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. It's Tuesday, July twenty first, twenty twenty. Here's the news. We mentioned on yesterday's show how the Trump administration is considering taking its federal show of force in Portland to other cities. Speaking from the Oval Office on Monday, the president warned that he was sending Department of Homeland Security troops to, quote, liberal cities like New York, Detroit, Chicago, Philadelphia, Baltimore and Oakland. So far, the only details coming out of the White House is a plan to send 150 DHS troops to patrol Chicago, where they will remain for up to 60 days. According to DHS, over 2,000 officials from the Coast Guard, CBP, ICE, and TSA are on alert, ready to be deployed. In Portland, while local officials have publicly called for federal agents to leave the city, behind the scenes, elected officials and local police are working hand-in-hand with DHS to suppress protests. However, officials in other cities are warning they won't be so welcoming. Philly District Attorney Larry Krasner threatened to arrest federal agents. In a statement on Monday, Krasner said, quote, anyone, including federal law enforcement who unlawfully assaults and kidnaps people will face criminal charges from my office, end quote. Eliza Orleans, who is running for D.A. in Manhattan, issued a similar threat, tweeting, quote, 
Just a quick note to any rogue federal agents planning on operating Portland-style in Manhattan without ID or uniform or, for all we know, warrants, the statute of limitations on kidnapping will not have expired by the time I take office, end quote. California Governor Gavin Newsom said explicitly that he would reject federal agents operating in Oakland. So too did Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer responding to the notion of DHS being dispatched to Detroit. But DHS Chief Chad Wolf obviously doesn't care what elected officials think of his operations that have been greenlit by the president. Speaking to Fox News this week, Wolf said, quote, I don't need invitations by the state, state mayors or state governors to do our job. We're going to do that whether they like us there or not, end quote. Well, color me skeptical when it comes to local police actually antagonizing federal police. But if it happens, then that would whip and I would root for both police forces to somehow lose. The Senate Banking Committee held a confirmation hearing today for two SEC commissioners. One of them, Hester Pierce, is an incumbent Republican whose term expired recently. The other, Carolyn Crenshaw, is filling a Democratic vacancy on the SEC. Pierce was asked about something she made headlines for in February, being the only SEC commissioner to vote against monetary penalties for Wells Fargo for its fake account scandal. The commission voted to fine the bank $500 million as part of a $3 billion settlement for the practices. When Wells Fargo signed up millions of customers for accounts without their permission because the bank set aggressive sales targets for tellers. Here was Pierce responding to a question about her opposition to the fine from Ohio Democrat Sherrod Brown. It was a known fraud furthered by management with criminal and civil settlements, but you didn't think a fine made sense. Help me understand your thinking. So when I approach an enforcement action that involves a corporation, I think about who ultimately is going to pay that fine. And if it's going to be shareholders of the company who have already been harmed by the fraud, then I'm very reluctant to vote in favor of a penalty that, that will come out of their pocket. This is the regulatory equivalent of saying you won't discipline your puppy for shitting on the floor because look at her. She already feels bad enough, doesn't she? Doesn't she? Oh, yeah, she's such a good dog. Who cares if you shit on the floor? Pierce later made another remark that raised eyebrows. Remember earlier this year when the stock market was in free fall because of the coronavirus? Well, Pierce evidently thinks that it could have been in more free fall than it was. Take a listen to what she said about stock market circuit breakers, which activate during fire sales. One thing... Um, that, that may be a possibility is to try to work on the circuit breakers so that they don't trigger so quickly after opening in the morning. Um, because if the purpose of a circuit breaker is to give you a chance, give the market a chance to think and sort through uncertainty. And if they've had that time to do that overnight, perhaps um, we don't need to have those circuit breakers triggered so early in the morning. Hey, no huge complaints from me. I want this shit to crash. When circuit breakers were triggered in March, by the way, it was the first time they had been activated since 1997. They didn't even uh, go off during the Great Recession sell-offs. Funnily enough, Pierce isn't the most controversial nominee with business before the Senate Banking Committee today. This afternoon, the panel is expected to vote on Judy Shelton, who is nominated to serve on the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, as Reuters noted, Sheldon has expressed her support for the gold standard, 
as recently as 2017. Not even bimetallism, just the gold standard. Moving on, a government watchdog released a report Tuesday on the number of defense contractors who've previously been cited for labor abuses. The Government Accountability Office discovered that between 2015 and 2019, at least 727 companies doing business with the Pentagon had been docked with repeated or willful violations of the Fair Labor Standards Act and the Occupational Health and Safety Act. Misbehaving companies held contracts with the Defense Department totaling nearly $209 billion, doing such tasks as construction, technical services, and scientific research. The most common abuses cited were exposure to toxic and hazardous substances like employees vulnerable to lead poisoning and shipyard workers dealing with a host of chemicals. The companies were also found to have repeated violations of machinery inspections and safety guards. And employees were also found to have been denied overtime pay and minimum wage by the contractors. Overall, more than 7,000 labor violations were discovered by GAO among DOD contracting companies. The number could actually be a lot higher, but GAO noted that OSHA's data isn't reliable. Just going to read from the report, quote, about 43% of OSHA data do not include key company identification numbers. These numbers are necessary to match federal contracting data to violation data. The report goes on to say, because of limitations in available data, we could not determine the total incidence of willful or repeated violations of safety, health, or fair labor standards among all companies with a DOD contract in the time frame. GAO noted that it initially discovered this problem of missing identification numbers in a report back in 2019. At the time, though, OSHA neither agreed nor disagreed with the recommendations to improve. While 727 companies in violation of labor law sounds like a lot, it's actually just a fraction of the Pentagon's contracting portfolio. The department is the largest contractor in the U.S. government. Between 2015 and 2019, the dates examined by GAO, the Pentagon contracted with 112,000 companies, paying out more than $1.7 trillion. The military-industrial complex is a cash cow for war profiteers. Finally, speaking of cash cows for war profiteers, an update on something we talked about yesterday. The Senate took a vote today on legislation barring local police from getting military equipment. The proposal came in the form of an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, the annual defense policy bill. Democrat Brian Schatz from Hawaii proposed it. And you know what? A majority of the Senate actually voted in favor of it. But because it's the Senate, 60 votes were needed, so it didn't pass. It was supported by all members of the Democratic caucus, surprisingly, plus four Republicans, Steve Daines from South Dakota, Cory Gardner from Colorado, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, and Rand Paul from Kentucky. So for those of you keeping score at home, that means a vote for police militarization from Mitt Romney, the guy who made a huge show of attending a Black Lives Matter rally a few weeks ago, and there was a vote against police militarization from Rand Paul, a guy known for being opposed to the Civil Rights Act. There was, however, a more moderate amendment that did pass 90 to 10. Oklahoma Republican James Inhofe put forth the proposal, quote, to impose additional conditions and limitations on the transfer of Department of Defense property for law enforcement activities. Five members of the Democratic caucus opposed it for not going far enough. 
Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Ed Markey, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders all voted no. Meanwhile, five Republicans voted no, evidently upset about any efforts to try to curb militarized policing. That group includes Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, John Neely Kennedy of Louisiana, Kelly Loeffler from Georgia. You might remember her from the uh, insider trading allegations on the coronavirus inside information that senators get, the uh, classified briefing uh, from a few months ago. Also voting no with the Republicans, the plastic populist fascist dipshit piss brothers, Tom Cotton and Josh Hawley. In other news, the White House said today that it might veto the NDAA if it includes legislation forcing the military to rename bases that are named after Confederate leaders. And you know what? Wouldn't it be nice if this just meant they had to close them down? (laughs) Like, no NDAA this year. We just got to close down the bases. It's not going to go down like that, but a boy can dream. That music means we've reached the poetry portion of the show where we read haiku for all our new subscribers over at Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Not only do you get a haiku when you pledge $5 a month, but you get the good feelings of helping our co-op and you get access to all the bonus content we put out, including our Friday garbage can show. One haiku to read today. This goes out to Comrade. Daily reminder... Let's abolish DHS, Zoomer Department. Thank you, comrade. Yes, thank you, comrade. Again, people don't realize how freaking young DHS is. It it is literally a Zoomer department. (laughs) Now that's what you were going with that. I was like, that went over my head for a sec. But now now I see what you're saying. Yeah, I figured I needed a little further explanation there on that one. Uh, DHS can buy smokes with the war in Afghanistan. (laughs) That's right. But But not alcohol. uh, That's right. Can't buy alcohol yet. Wait, isn't the cigarette age 21 in D.C. now? Yeah, they did raise it, didn't they? Man, that would that would have pissed me off. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) thanks. uh, Thanks again to Comrade. If I were still 18. Anyway, sorry. Yes. Thank you, Comrade. Yes, uh, again, patreon.com slash district sentinel. All right, uh, one thing to do here. Uh, looks like we've got a call on the rant line. Let's check it out. Hey, fellas. Keister here. I'm sitting here with a broken heart. I'm angry. Michael Brooks left us too early. And there's a big void out there. And I'm just really angry that people like Neera Hand and Barry, Barry Weiss are going to go on doing their neoliberal bullshit, right-wing lunatics, like Ben Shapiro getting rich off of billionaire money, and grifters like Dave Rubin and his lack of ideas, they keep on going. I'm angry, man. I'm sad. Just had to, just had to say it. Hope you guys are hanging in there. Take care. Thanks for the call uh, there, uh, Keister. I, I, I feel, uh, I feel your sadness there. Uh, 
definitely a tough day yesterday with the news that uh, Michael Brooks had died. Um, pretty large force uh, in left media in the whole uh, podcasting realm. Uh, I didn't know Michael that well. I'd gone on his uh, podcast once. He came on our podcast uh, one time. Um, but uh, clearly he touched uh, a tremendous amount of people based on uh, the outpouring we've seen uh, online. And uh, I, I I get the sentiments from Keister there. I know uh, I've been, uh, my, my girlfriend and I have been talking about uh, going to Cheesecake Factory once we uh, hear news that Henry Kissinger has died. And uh, I would have thought we'd have already gone there several years ago when we decided this, but uh, we're still waiting uh, because the most evil people just fucking linger around while uh, um, while the uh, good and decent people, you know, I, I've, I've seen people theorize online that, you know, being a leftist is pretty stressful and you, you take on a lot of concern and worry about the world that uh, the ghouls on the right just don't even fucking think about. Yeah, that's that's an interesting theory. Um, <clears throat> indeed, it's it, it is really sad. And uh, the grief uh, from the community that 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 Michael Brooks had built is really palpable. And um, it's just really unexpected. And it it's moving to see um you know, such such an outpouring of, of what he meant to people. Um I yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know if I have really anything else to say. It it reminds me of uh a bit when uh, different circumstances obviously, but a bit when uh when Michael Hastings died tragically. And um Yeah, it's it, yeah. it's never yeah, the but- shitheads. Yeah, the sort of shocking uh, element of it, but uh, uh, onward, uh, onward we march uh, in the struggle. And, and, uh, and then, uh, as as to what you said, Hastings had uh, his body of work and his line of work brought him in contact with with a lot of pain and a lot of suffering too. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know I I know that it was a rare or um, blood clot in his throat. That killed him I you know I don't want to theorize here um definitively but just yeah no, take yeah. care of yourselves and uh and, and go easy on yourselves yeah yeah I'm just theorizing in general why these conservative ghouls linger around for so long um that and I guess because yeah. they have uh they, they've uh, healthcare cashed money. out in our capitalist system and have the access to the best health care uh, money around in a team of doctors Money, healthcare, uh, again, and no it, conscience. It's it's a good combination to live uh, a long time. Donald Trump is probably going to live to like 140. I'm sorry. Oh, God. God. Keister, uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts uh, on the rant line. 202-684-6108 if you uh, want to call and leave a message. That is the show for today. We've got a brand new chip chat for tomorrow we're discussing trump's secret police force that we've seen operating in portland and that's been promised to uh be taken to other cities as i uh, mentioned earlier in the show and then we've got a brand new means morning news on thursday we uh i'm excited about this show uh we're talking about psychedelic mushrooms favorite topic of the sams and then we're uh, back here friday for uh, the subscriber only garbage can so uh stick around we got a lot of content coming your way 
We're here in DC, so you don't have to be.